The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul. This is Caroline. We're here to discuss the return of the fourth season of This Is Us to the airwaves following their winter break. This is the 10th episode. This episode... It felt so good. It it felt like a return to form in a lot of ways. Even though, aesthetically, watching this, the way that they used so many dissolves and kind of fancy transitions between certain scenes, they did that, I think, pretty intentionally because they wanted to kind of show kind of an impression of how Rebecca's memories were kind of fuzzing in and out, I think, is is part of that. Right. And I think that the the secondary one for that is, I think, going to Baby Jack, I think the fuzziness of vision, yeah, um, you know, maybe things coming into focus and going out of focus. I think that that's my that's my twosome on that, because this is us likes to play with parallels a lot and young and old that would feel really good. And like the losing of your memory and the gaining of some sight seems like the seesaw that Fogelman plays with. The structure of the whole thing and kind of the drama of the whole thing, especially that ending. My oh, don't gosh. even get there. We're not. Don't um, you dare touch that yet. I was so excited. This felt so good. It was full of energy, full of movement, full of things that were happening. And that might sound kind of crazy. Like, come on, Caroline, you know, Kevin's been doing a lot of stuff. I know, but this had a vibe about it. And I'm all about vibes. I I can feel when something's about to happen in a show that I'll look at Paul and say it loud and proud because I know three scenes from now, it's going to happen. Like they've set it up. I can feel it in my bones. It's going to happen. Let's just dive right in, Paul, into this one. We've got the flashback with... Let's give a shout out to Carol Sullivan for writing in over the winter break. I, all I want to say is thanks for writing in and you will be rewarded for sticking with us. You, you should have received probably four podcasts just about all at once with uh, This Is Us content. I'm super glad, Carol. And and anytime you guys are listening, you would like to give us some feedback. We would love it. Carol pointed out that she enjoys the way that we break down the different episodes. And we super appreciate that, Carol. We try to really hard to embrace the this is us-ness of it all and relate it to our own lives. Try to tease it out when there's things that don't make sense and when there's things that really hit close to home. So I hope that maybe what's appealing to you is maybe our authenticity in terms of really sharing some things about our lives and maybe that hits close home to you. So let's get into this one on our flashback with Jack and Rebecca. How do you feel about the idea of going right back to that golf game day? Like, were you like, oh my God, are we going to go there? Not exactly, because the rest, not the rest, but an amount of these flashbacks this season have been back to back to back. Like the, the basically the courtship of Rebecca Jack has has been shown pretty, yeah, pretty back to back. Right. Whereas other flashbacks and other seasons haven't really had a, a connection or they haven't required a connection. Okay. The thing that bummed me out about this one is that any any time that we see these two n- diverging, we know it's just filler. It's just yeah. It's just to take up some time. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say the same exact thing is that we've had this multiple seasons where they have some sort of argument or some sort of something, and we're like, but we know it doesn't last. We know they end up together. So. It does feel like filler. The only thing that I think that I can glean from this one that felt a little bit different was that we really got down to how much they really do care about each other. What I mean by that is... Rebecca really has to make this choice. Her parents have now expressed in directly to her and indirectly by speaking through Jack that they do not approve of this. They are scared. They're scared for her future. And you know what? As parents, I feel like we can probably relate to this. If we had someone come in on the scene and want to date one of our kids, you know, our kids, our kids have challenges. I think that there would be a moment where you'd be like, does this person understand exactly what they're getting into? Given that scenario, how trustworthy is this person and what's going on here you know like you'd you'd have a lot of questions sure so i think that when the parents have now expressed things and you have that big buildup of if you go and choose him 
you better make sure this is like the love story of all love stories. You're you're going up against all the odds. He doesn't have any of the things that you really should be easily acquiring. Somebody who has a good job, good education, comes from a good background. As parents, that's what we've set you up to have. So if that's not going to happen, this better just be like fireworks and love songs. And like I gave my love a chicken. I had no bones every night. <laughs> she makes that gamble. It was it was uh it reminded me of the scene where Jack has decided to to not live at home while he is drunk, you know, and she goes and gets his ass and brings him home, right? Same yeah, same kind of thing. I like thing. that. I like that a lot. I like that. Of just that like we're not doing this. You know, like when she said, "I'm talking." <laughs> you know, it's like whatever this is, whatever whatever decision you've made, we're not doing this, you know, like we're doing something else. I appreciated so much that Jack came back with the like, I'm just sad that like you said I love you first, like, <laughs> you know, and you know what? He never intimated in that breakup that it had anything to do with not loving her, not caring about her, not wanting to be with her, but just that he didn't feel like he was enough. He talked himself into thinking that was how he was going to care for her, you know, by by Tell me. Yeah. So this is one of those help me help you by Breaking up. up, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's a little bit of a offshoot of it. It's not you, it's me. But I was willing to accept that this was like it's for the good of you. I love you so much. I can't saddle you with me because I'm such a scene. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't have that problem. I saddled you with me. <laughs> now, if you now we came from the same basic like uh class and 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 our parents have generally the same amount of money and and those types of things do you feel like if my dad had come to you and was so blatant and was like you are not good enough for caroline what would you do well i was a young man full of piss and vinegar back then so i would have probably been you know like screw you man oh my god can i play this for my dad no <laughs> There is no way. I felt like, I feel like. I was a different guy back then, though. I was a little I mouthier. I knew you. I knew your ass. I'm just saying, like, I feel like, I feel like you would come to me, though. I think you would slink to me and be like, your dad says I'm no good for you. And yeah. I'd be like, he said what? Yeah, I would have done that for And then sure. I would totally go to my dad and be like, dad, you can't get into my life. <laughs> that sounds more like what would have happened. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> screw you, man. I don't think the screw you, man would have ever come out of here. Caroline, come get in the van. <laughs> We're leaving. <laughs> I like that you attained that super uh, like druggy accent. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I mean, do you feel like this flashback is done? Like, we got it. We understand. We got it. We got it. We got it. Uh, they got together. They had obstacles. Jack really doesn't have money. These parents, I like that they did the little moment with the rent because it allowed us to see like these parents aren't just blowing smoke. This isn't fake. This isn't one of those situations where they just see a guy with like a five o'clock shadow and assume the worst. Like, no, he really can't even pay the rent. He's not going to be able to keep, you know, a roof over their head. This is a real thing. They're they're not overreacting. If they keep on with this exact timeline. There better be something that that happens, you know, like Jack needs to give Rebecca's dad mouth to mouth or something, Some, something that matters. Because, okay. I mean, this flashback played nicely with Kevin's My Parents Had This Storybook Romance right. uh, thought and, and all that. But, and it, but as a standalone, since we know they wind up together pretty right. shortly, right. this is like. What are we doing? Okay, so let's get into Kevin. This was a real slap in the face, Paul. They had this setup where it was almost like speed dating. He had hired a matchmaker and he had to sit there. Oh, my God. Some of those women with the like, well, at least the Kenyans are good for something. And he's like, oh, my God. Like, I feel like all of us would have been like, check, please. Like, You're a psycho. That's not how people think about each other. Good God. I felt like that was actually well done. You know, it was funny. I was really surprised by this twist, the huge grand gesture, you know, knowing her for just a second and then thinking, well, you're going to sweep her off her feet. This is just going to be amazing. John Legend, what the frig? Hollywood Bowl, <laughs> what? Flowers? This is champagne? I can't even believe all this is happening. This is like, this is like, uh, 
I don't even know what I'm watching anymore. Then the hall pass comments. Yeah. 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 Do you have any hall passes, Paul, that I need to be aware of? They're all hall passes. Any indiscretion? Yes. Is covered in a hall pass. Uh, right. You have like good for whatever pass. Well, it's it's like, do I have to tell you before you'd be like with that was that your hall pass be like yep that was it so here's the deal like in case you guys aren't listening to other podcasts that we do we've had a conversation about consenting adults and whether or not consenting adults are allowed to sleep with each other and like if it's fine and you know what what does that look like exactly when i just made that sound it made me think of shit's creek of like Maybe think of Stevie and, and David. So um, if you were in a position where a celebrity like was to be like, today's the day, Paul, and I should hope that this goes both ways, that you would be like freaking blessed. Hashtag blessed. Go for it. We'd be hashtagging things. Yeah. You wouldn't? If you slept with a celebrity, you wouldn't be hashtagging that shit? No, I don't think I'd share that. No. Oh, my God. Even if I just said it was fine and sanctioned? Yeah, that's... That's all before talk. Oh my God, it's private business. Anyhow, so what do we think of this? What do we think of Lizzie? Is she- Oh, I think she's gone. You think she's coming back? I think this was it. I think this was like, I think this was a crazy mid-season cameo sitch. Yeah, Sophia Bush, exciting. But you just had John Legend too. I don't think John Legend's coming back next week and doing other things. So I think that it was a little bait and switch on us that like, oh, we thought Sophia Bush for sure, this is something's going to happen. But maybe she just came in to play this one role and that's it. I don't, it well, can't possibly be that they're going to be divorced and blah, blah, blah. Were you looking uh, oh, down? I was looking. Re- I know what you're going to say. When the phone rang? I saw who was on that telephono. Trouble. Sophie. Yeah. So is this his storybook romance? Does it all come down to Sophie at the end of the day? Sophie, he basically did the same thing that his dad did, right? Where he went to the woman that he actually does love and he's and he talked himself out of the relationship. You okay, know? Yes. He did that. He said harder words. Right. But harsher, yes. That is what he not yeah, not not higher in difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> He had a thesaurus and said more, more complex, sophisticated words. Right. Um, <laughs> Who but a small child says there are harder words? These words are hard. Well, I just meant, I meant, I I meant, meant the feeling of them. Harsher, more intense, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Like if you were to throw them, they would hurt. These are Got These it. are those kind of words. Sharp words. Um, so maybe, maybe it's the same kind of thing. It just took a little while for for it to cycle, you know? I, you know, I think that's plausible. And, you know, let me ask you this. Will you be satisfied if he ends up with Sophie? Is it okay with you? Especially given, you know, we're we're four seasons in. He gave this decree of, you know, I'm going to have a baby and a wife and le, 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 le. You know, what do you think? Well, given that I'm 20 seasons into marrying my high school sweetheart, yeah, then yeah, I'd say I'm partial to those kinds of oh, okay. stories. Okay, so you, so you'd be satisfied. I mean, like you're okay with what has happened with Kevin and Sophie. They've been married, divorced. It's okay with you if they get back together and have a kid and all that stuff. It's okay. This is okay. Yes, satisfying. Okay, I agree with you. I think that I think that having history matters, and I think that this is a whole situation where you know Kevin's always loved her and and trusted her, and I think that this. Situation where he let himself fall head over heels for this for Lizzie only underscored the concept of trust and like knowing someone, knowing someone since they were, you know, 10 years old. He didn't know her from anyone. So look what he did. Sophie is like even it's like even if he had a relationship with another woman, if Sophie called, he would go see her. You know, and things might yeah. unfold from there. Right. Consenting adults. Yeah. And it doesn't, yada. doesn't, and, but in his mind, it's like, I don't know, she's, she's the one, you know, and, and I, you all know, the others are not quite the one. So well, if the one calls. That was married and like just has been playing you all afternoon. Has just been like starstruck. Like that was a hard slap in the face, man. Right. I mean, he oh. acted as cool as he could upon that whole I would delivery. have been humiliated. Oh, of course. That of was course. so humiliating. Good night, Irene. Do you know who else was humiliated? Um Kate. Well, there were a few 
few different people humiliated in this episode. But yes, Kate. No, I'm going with Kate. Kate. Kate uh, cleaned off like the pie on her face and then got got smacked right again. I definitely think it, that it's a metaphor. I got you. I thought that the way that Toby could really easily explain, you know, what was going on, Lady Kryptonite, which we were totally, absolutely wrong. It did turn out to be a lady, a woman, Kara. She turns out to be a homewrecker, turns out. I thought that the way that this unfolded was pretty good, actually. Like, it made me be like, okay, because I because I got lulled in that Kate was really trying. She had gone on the CrossFit blogs and made him the smoothie. She, she threw him the surprise party, found all the CrossFitters, invited them, no Kara. But boy, did it feel like a smack to get that he quit the gym two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, what the frig? What is allowed in omissions versus lying? Like, what's the deal here? Oh. Is it okay? Is it just like, well, I'm not going to talk about the gym at home because the gym is like annoying to you. So what difference does it make if I go to the YMCA or if I go to Gold's? Like, what do you care? That is what I would tell myself if if I was Toby. I can definitely say that if money was not a thing, like if if I was just like switching over memberships, I don't know that it would be like a huge topic of conversation in our house if I was just like, oh, I went to a class at Gold's today versus going to a class at YMCA. Like, I don't think it would be that big of a deal. Now, of course, it is a big deal because this fellowship of CrossFitters, like he just walked away from these eight people he was supposedly having this camaraderie with. That would raise a lot of red flags and very masterful to have it happen during a party where all you can do is just stare at each other. For the entire night, knowing the other one is rip shit. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know that that you would have been able to to hold it quite that long. Oh, geez, what what do you think I would do? You don't think I would host it up? Uh, I mean, I was throwing a surprise party. There's no one else to host. I don't know. Depends on <laughs> how pissed you were, I guess. <laughs> oh my god! Because this... think I'd like haul you outside by the arm. Well, I mean. There's marital distress, but then there's also like uh, frequency can be a factor mm. oh, and timing. So he's not super far removed from getting caught venting, you know, and her yeah. kind of feeling sore about that and choosing for the good of everybody in the house just to pick this one to let go. Yeah. Even though she could have made more of it. Now, hold up, though. I love that you think she let it go. She had a surprise party and invited Kara because she wanted to size her up. That's fair. A hundred percent. So she didn't like a hundred percent let it go. No woman ever does. How when she was there, she was like, where's Kara? Has anyone seen Kara? Like she definitely threw that party to size her up. Let her go means let him off of the splain yourself hook. Okay. In sure. that moment. For sure. And then so for this to be like, um, you know, you 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 talk about me to your to your club, and now you 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 change gyms without telling me. It, even though even though it could be rationalized in a very simple way, and his explanation kind of made it a little worse. I thought. Well, what did you think? So, if someone tries to kiss you at the office, mm-hmm. and you come home that night and you don't say anything to me, and then two weeks later you tell me, how am I supposed to feel about the two weeks? that you didn't say anything like you saw me we're hanging out we're doing stuff how are you supposed to feel sheesh i don't know the i'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna, mm. You're like oh shit yeah I'm not, <laughs> it's the i mean the the big natural question marks are you know you weren't just laying on a bench press and this woman comes over and kisses you out of, randomly of it's, course it's like what was said what was done what signals were you giving to lead to up say, right, right. that kisses were were something that we should consider you yeah, know um, yeah so yeah i mean his at least at least i mean his story sounds truthful it just sounds unfortunately too late okay so i'm gonna hope that you know he's being truthful and then he left Kara behind and that this in- this is not an ongoing thing. I hope he really did join another gym. I hope all those things are real. I hope he wasn't seeing Kara or doing anything else weird. Because I'm going to leave that up in the air. I was like, I don't know that we have the whole story. I don't know that he definitely joined another gym or that he definitely 
cut it off with her or whatever. I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I like Toby and there's been a lot of things that he's done that I have come around to as seeing good, good things about Toby. Um, well, I'm about to rock that. So I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. 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 We have kids who have special needs. We do. We have a daughter who is deaf and blind. Fact. How did you feel when Toby has the two or three sentence confessional? Disappointed. Super duper disappointed, you guys. I And it does not track with me. Like, I know that there are people who are in denial about what's going on with their kid. They will say, you know, no, we can still fix this, especially a kiddo who's so young. A, a typical dad response might be, oh, well, let's keep seeing more doctors. Let's, um, you know, maybe there's going to be another surgery, you know, that kind of stuff, like not not letting it settle. But the idea of just being like, I just, I'm just sad to look at a baby. That's my baby is like, ooh, Tobes, I, you're showing a side of yourself that, I thought I knew you, and I don't think I do know you. Well, he is prone to the depression, of course. Okay. Um, but then that's like then that's like a is, pity party about the dad he wanted to be, which we can all talk about that. This is some adulting that that they don't train you for in the general classes. You know what I mean? Not even a little bit, and and you learn it so much on the fly. It's not even funny. In my own personal experience. I can recall looking at the at, at uh, our daughter and feeling sad, but not in a way that made me need to remove myself. And it was sort of like, be sad on your own time. <laughs> you know, it you shouldn't be something that manifests in the way that you deal w- with the the baby. Yeah, like that seems like beyond okay. Like, so you're actually like, I mean, I'll use a way bigger word, neglecting. Your child by I know that the, that your wife is there taking care of the baby, so the baby is not neglected. But if you are purposely avoiding the child, what what are you doing? What what are you doing? And here's the thing that you guys might not even really be able to respect and understand. Let me let me lay this out here for you guys who are listening. If you have a blind child and you don't physically interact with them, you don't exist. Like absorb that. So if if Toby. Even if he's like in the house, but he doesn't engage with Jack, he doesn't exist in the same way that a sighted baby would at least see dad come and go, you know? But if he's not engaging with Jack, like there's a level of absence there that is so much bigger, so much bigger than a sighted baby. So for you dads who are not, who are thinking like, oh man, I I wasn't around that much when they were little, this is a big deal. Yep. Our our daughter... As soon as it was safe to do, I started guiding her hand up to my my chin because except for a disastrous two-week span about 10 years ago where I shaved it off, I've had a beard this whole, whole time. And she spends a long time stroking Paul's beard. Like I would say I was just like a couple of weeks ago now where she just like she stood there and she pulled him to her and she probably spent three or four minutes just stroking his beard, just being like... So the idea that like she doesn't know what Paul and I look like, I don't believe that's true at all. I think that she has a a tactile sense of what we look like. It's not the same as vision, um, but it would be like saying uh, because you hadn't hugged someone and you just saw a picture, then you had no sense of who they were. It's like, no, that's not true. One of your senses has an idea of who they are. Um, and so for her, of course, our smell, our um the way we feel, but then also the way we feel with her, the way we touch her is a big, big deal. That's why I'm really, really down on Toby because the physical absence is so big. It's so, so big with a baby like this. I mean, it would just be like he didn't exist on the planet, you know, that's really hard to take from my stomach. And as a new mother would be so hard to hear. So hard to hear. If I looked at you, Paul, and said, oh, you have a special needs baby. When I look at your baby, it makes me sad. Could you even accept that from a stranger, much less the parent of the child? Well, and and that, I mean, it was it was a few messages all at once. It was that, which, you know, depending on how you want to look at it, rises from something 
that makes you sad for them to feeling like they are despicable somewhere in that that spectrum. Well, okay, so know? we had like a hardcore line about pity. Like no one pities our kids. We don't pity our kids. We don't lower the bar. We don't nobody says like oh poor baby, any of that kind of crap. Like that is not the spirit of our family or our value system, right? Like we're just not like that. We're going to make the best of what's going on here. And our kids definitely have that little like you have a problem. Like, like our one daughter who is autistic asks people, do you have autism? And when they say no, she'll say, oh, that's too bad because she has actual pride in her autism and feels like she is good the way she is. She doesn't need to be someone else. And in fact, so sorry for you to not be able to understand autism like she does. So that's a, that's a, a POV that even Paul and I can't really wrap our brains around that she has exposed us to. I have to say that I will say for a second, and I know Paul, you will agree with this. The sadness of what could have been is certainly something that's understandable. When he started to say he won't see the ocean. Okay. But when he said he won't watch star Wars with me. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's got to hit home for you over there. Mm -hmm. It did. Yeah. And it is, this is the, this is the right stage to get all that out, you know, right at the beginning of, of a very super long journey. And that is when I had my own emotional, my own emotions about it and kind of dealt with it. Um, the, the problem here is that he had all this stuff and he chose a path of avoiding things and didn't tell Kate anything about it until this confusion with Lady Kryptonite brought it all out. Yeah, I think know? that was really a terrible, terrible overlay. I mean, you can't bring up like, yeah, I was spending time with like another woman because I'm sad our baby's blind. Like, oh, 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 oh. Well, that's oh, one oh. interpretation. I mean, he oh. he's obviously been working out, but still, I mean, the, the point is away. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's a couple of things that I'm going to mention um, just so that it's clear. Within special needs community, we are actually taught, if you go to like conferences and stuff like that, when it comes to venting and trying to actually like alleviate stress, they do tell you to like circle out rather than turn inwards and go towards like your internal people. Like I don't necessarily, the best person for me to vent to might not be Paul. It might actually be to circle out someone who doesn't actually, maybe it's my sibling or then maybe if that's not even a good thing, maybe I need to go out to a friend and then maybe that's not good. Maybe I need to find a support group. Like try to, try to circle out with your concerns because if you keep everything in, inside in that little, you know, nucleus, if you will, you're going to have like an implosion, basically. You know, mm -hmm. everyone, everyone can't be consoling everyone else who's also suffering, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going through a hard time, try to circle out. We talked about that. That part's not what I'm giving like a big stink eye to. He can vent to whomever he wants. I feel like there should have been a boundary, though, that you can't say shit like don't let him or her bring you down like stuff like that that's where you're like as the spouse you're like hey hey hey. what are you telling these people i and and we're on the same team so if i'm telling you that i'm struggling with like my life and what's going on you can be supportive of me without putting down my spouse or without putting down anyone in my family who is my support system like that part's like you're crossing major boundaries and you shouldn't be doing that the other thing i want to say is going back to that like sadness being sad about what you're not going to have is not something you can deal with once. And I really hope that This Is Us honors that because having a special needs individual in your family and especially if it's your child, you, without even realizing you ever did it, set up hopes and dreams of what you thought was going to happen, what you hoped was going to happen, what things were going to look like, what treats you were going to pass on, what moments you were going to have Star Wars or football or whatever, right? And when that goes away, it doesn't just go away when they're born and you're told the first diagnosis. Every single time you have moments, whether for us, it's now we're at teenagers, people are getting their driver's license. Our guys are not getting their driver's license. Um, it could be for sleepovers. That was something that kicked me in the gut that I was like, oh, man, like... You know, there's right. there's things that happen that you see on Facebook, especially in our little world where you're like, that's not happening for my kid. My kid doesn't have that and may never have that, that it's a it's it's not a 
grief that goes one time, you deal with it and it goes away. It comes like a wave. And unfortunately, typically, at least for me, when you never expect it coming, someone says a completely benign, we're having this amazing birthday party for our kid. And my inside goes like, oh, it hurts. You know? Yeah, because because the the subtext there is that you've been invited to the previous six, and suddenly you just you're not even invited anymore. Yeah, that and that has happened, and so definitely those kinds of things. You know, it goes on where it's like it when kids are really really little, everybody's super accepting, but as you get into elementary, middle, high school, you stop getting invited to stuff because it's everybody's the whole class doesn't get invited anymore. So there's just there's just all these moments that happen. So. Very respectfully, I'm not saying that Toby's wrong for having these feelings, but the way this all came out, Kate was not wrong to feel like, you're ugly, you're very, very ugly to me. Having said all of those things, how off base was Kate's birthday gift to Toby? If you're watching this and you and you don't have a special needs person in your family, then the idea of this retreat might sound like just what the doctor ordered. And in some ways, it might help certain things. But in a lot of other ways, it's not going to be that awesome. It's not going to be not an emotional, I don't, I don't know, it'd be like going to like a therapy weekend. Yes. And then you're going to be there with all these other kiddos who have problems. And again, on one hand, you think, well, that would be very soothing to meet other families and stuff. Yes. For a little bit. For, for a small period of time, but also those other families are struggling too. And remember that thing about going outside your circle? Imagine if you brought all the people who were worried and all the people who were, who were struggling and grieving and put them all in the same room at the same time. Where are you circling out to? Anyone you talk to, their heart is full and heavy. It gets very intense, very fast. And I would never in one gajillion years suggest that anyone gift anyone else something like this. This is something that you could go to, and we absolutely went to a million of them, and we still do, and there's a lot to be gained from them, but they are not... That is such a misguided idea. It, it's not a vacation. It's not restful. It's not... Um, it can be very educational in like a very force-fed sort of way. Like... You can go to this, like Toby, for instance, could go to this. I don't know if they'll show it or not, but and think whatever is going through his mind right now, negative about about baby Jack, just what could have been, right? Mm -hmm. And this is, I'm going to say this as clinically as possible, so that I, but the intent is not to offend anybody. You will meet people at these things where the disadvantages and challenges presented by their loved one make your child's look pedestrian by comparison. And all of a sudden you gain this perspective and appreciation actually for where you're at. So Toby might actually be well served by, by going to something like that. It's I just definitely not think so, but easy. And also, but not as a, not as a gift for your birthday. Not like, like this no. is just so off. I yeah. mean, th think about this P. This is his first birthday where he does have a little guy. This is 100% the birthday where you give him the messy finger paint. The ones that we did exactly when Lauren was that little, you know, that we framed on our wall and put there where she like laid in the middle of the finger paint and like swirled it all around. You could see her hands. You could see her knees and her little toes and everything. And like we had it on our wall for like a million years, like literally probably 15 years. That is the kind of gift, especially for like a new dad. Come on. I mean, Hallmark was made for these moments, man. There are so many things you could do to make it sentimental and perfect. And that was just not good. They should absolutely go and they have a lot to work through, but it's not a birthday gift. It can be a relief to find finally someone who, when you talk about the issues that you are dealing with, understands because he can talk to... He can talk to Kevin, he can talk to Rebecca, he can talk to Randall or whomever his other friends are and none of they're all going to feel sympathetic but they're they're not really going to get it in the same way that a parent does. That part that part is is good. It's And it, and it and it can be amazing. I 
I am okay. So now I'm going to ask you another question. Okay. So guys, if you have a blind baby out there, absolutely go to a retreat. Do not gift it to your spouse as something that they should love as a birthday gift. There are so many things that are going to be not typical. Give them the typical things. Let them have a dad's first handprint birthday card from the baby. You know, that's a typical thing to give a new dad. Don't don't make everything about the fact that he's blind. It doesn't have to be. It wasn't necessary, you know? And that I think is is going to drive a big wedge between them. How do you feel about the fact that they have a character that they presented as blind? Yeah. And now, I don't even know how I feel, so I'm going to have to say it like kind of slow. Um, they're going to play the game where Toby can start to love the baby because the baby starts to see. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that that was a direct line, but that was the consequence of the baby looking around and reaching. Toby started interacting with the baby. What mm. do you think? What I, if- I chose not to see it that way. Okay, talk to me. Just, you know, for your information out there in the world, uh, blindness comes in all kinds of flavors and you don't, you can still be pretty much blind, but also have some light perception. And that's what we're seeing with baby Jack. So when that kind of stuff happens with, with Lauren very early on, I would say I felt encouraged, you know, because the idea that that maybe she wasn't as blind as they told us uh, was always something that was like, you know, maybe maybe we can teach her this. Maybe we can show her that that sort of thing. So it was encouraging, but no more than that it didn't change m- what I felt about her. And I chose to see that it for Toby rather than now he can love him because he can see a little bit. I, that That's where I wanted to go with that. Okay, so so if I'm what I'm hearing is you saying that really Toby found his hope again or found his something again, like he felt defeated and somehow there was this little sliver of seeing him thrive a little bit, be curious, reach out, do something that seemed like, oh, that's what a typical baby would do if there was like lights hanging over this this head. It's it's going to sound not right, but again, not meant to offend anybody. You give the diagnosis of having a blind baby, then mentally you kind of, or I did, I kind of gave myself like this, well, you can't do that, can't do this, can't do that. And then all of a sudden it seems like a gigantic list of, of what you're not going to be able to do. And when you're given these little blips of, well, this kind of changes the, the, the intensity of that diagnosis. And all of a sudden it does, um, let's just say light the way. And, and show that that maybe they're it gives you something to work on basically work from even that okay he can see the christmas lights well let's push it a little further can he can he deal with that can he see this can he do that and all of a sudden it's like something something to work on here's my problem because because men like active approaches i know i mean i'm just i'm like i'm like exhaling because i'm just trying so hard to say this in the kindest way possible Ugh, how do i say this it's like elizabeth saying are you autistic no too bad for you the baby was blind they told us the baby was blind yeah we don't have to fix the baby to love the baby we can love the baby exactly how the baby is and in fact if you don't How will the baby ever love themselves for who they are? How, if you are constantly telling them what you have or what you are, we need to work on getting that out of you. I just don't know how you can raise someone who is whole and okay. And I don't even like that they presented the concept of like what every blind baby's parents needs to be waiting for is the moment when they suddenly start seeing something. That feels like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? You wouldn't do that with anything else. If the baby was born with one arm, we wouldn't all be hoping to God it sprouts an arm. Exactly. We would say, yeah. we're good with the one arm. Let's teach him how to use the one arm. Why did they do this? Why did they need to do this? I don't like it. Yeah, I, I don't. Are you hearing, are you hearing well, what I'm saying from the standpoint of like, well, why don't we just make Randall like white next week? Like, the challenge is that he was black in a white family. The challenge for this is he's a blind baby is in a family who has vision. Why did you have to change the challenge? Mm. 
get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, what'd you do that for? That mm-hmm. was the challenge. What are you doing? Yeah. It Just, feels like pulling the rug out from under us for those with special needs people who are have a diagnosis that's permanent and you're not changing it. And there's and and now it's a little bit less relatable because you're like, what are you doing? My experience with my one blind child has just been like, those things are blips, you know, with ROP, man, it's, it's exciting. You might have to explain that a little bit. So just for like a second, because we said we'd be a little bit more expansive about our personal stuff. So ROP is? Retinopathy of prematurity. It is a disorder that only preemies get. It's a result of having been born too early and their eyes not developing in the womb at a very critical part in their development. The eyes have to make it to something like 33, 34, 35 weeks, somewhere in that range before they're really done cooking and will be okay. If they come out before that, things can go wrong. And our girls came out way before that. So their eyes both suffered from ROP and it basically results in retinal detachment if if uh, treatments don't work. So that's total blindness except for just very basic light perception. Okay, so the um, weirdo thing though is that because retinas are like they're like not laying flat like the way you would expect, they have like rumples and stuff. And there's other eye conditions that are like this where you can actually see something one day and not the next. And then not maybe not see it again for like a year or maybe ever again. It's it's a really like um hard situation to play with where you know you have these like floaters it could be or it could just be this rumpliness like lauren has a way for like a long time where she would turn her head and she would try to see we thought try to see us out of her left eye on the inner corner and she would do it for a long time she doesn't do that anymore and it's something that she would always like she's left-handed and we attributed that to maybe being able even though every doctor says blind 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 apparently it's extremely rare to be absolutely black blind like pitch black blind. That part's not that odd that the baby did like react to something, but it's just, you guys get it. I think if you, if you say he's blind and you go to the doctor and that's what they say, just, just let that play out. Like, why did you have to change it so quick? And especially in this scenario where the dad just admitted that he couldn't accept the diagnosis. He couldn't love his child for what his child was. Instead of having the dad come around and realize that he needs to be the one that grows, you change the child's condition. Oh, Mm. (laughs) I don't know about that. That's not what usually happens, you know? Yeah, I'm just, I'm going to go with encouragement and hope. Okay, I want encouragement and hope. I want encouragement and hope. Here's the good news, you guys. You're not hearing us say, boy, this episode didn't give us anything to talk about. Boy, this episode was so bland. It was so boring. It really didn't have anything. This gave us like meat to chew on. And for that, I 100% appreciate it. Um, It really makes me think about these kinds of things. And I, I appreciate it. Let's get into Randall and his story. He is exactly where he was at when we talked about this in the last episode. I had my concerns. I expressed them to you that he was going to be omitting information to Kevin and Kate. That was going to actually be the big sin. And he was going to be stepping on toes with Miguel. Totally happened. What do you think about Miguel's like old switcheroo where he's all like, listen up, Randall. Let me tell you what it's like to be old. On the one hand, Miguel was right to dig in, right? And say, you know, I can handle this. But on the other hand, Randall was right to say, like, you haven't been handling shit. That's why I had to come. But then at the end to admit that she was calling it a food flipper or whatever, like, oh, you actually just like tore Randall a new one and actually said, you're just being Randall. Like, yeah. that was a mean ass thing to say to someone who flew cross country to sit in a waiting room with you. Yeah. That is some cruel shit. They they actually were able to see a neurologist because of Randall's hard work. And you're going to be like that when in reality, when the diagnosis comes back as yes, she absolutely does have memory loss and there are more tests we need to run like blood tests. What if there's medication that she could have been taking for the last couple of months? Miguel, that could have slowed this down. And here you are not just ignoring it, but you're yelling at the person who's showing genuine concern over a legitimate problem. Ouch. Maybe she's forgetting useful stuff, you know, like did, didn't, we, did, didn't we already fight about this? No, 
this is this is a new concern. Oh my god, nice, nice. Hey, I don't know. I'm just saying that I thought Miguel, I you know what, I have I've always kind of put him in a neutral position. I never loved him, but I wasn't a hater. This I thought he handled like absolute shit. And in fact, as an aging spouse couple kind of situation, this, he is your nightmare. He is your goddamn nightmare to run your kids off who are actually caring about you and actually seeing symptoms of a problem and ignoring them. Oh my God. I think he was nightmare, but he was suitably mea culpa at the end. Um, Sure. After he embarrassed you. Because Randall could have, you know, there are plenty of people who would have just said, you know what? You're right. I'm flying home now. Cancel the appointment. Y'all go back home. There are kids who would have done that. Who would have, who, especially when you, when they said you're just being Paul. I mean, I think no. you would have been like, what? I mean, Kevin is the most pronounced about it, but I think they're all a little like, step back, stepdad. You know, we're, <laughs> we're <laughs> yeah, doing definitely, this. Definitely, for sure, for sure. Okay, so this was not a surprise. You know, the I was actually surprised that we didn't get a name. And that was interesting the way that they kind of had the doctor pivot and be like, well, I don't want to give it a label just yet. That was like, okay, this is us. So you're going to still continue to play a little game here, you know, about what is this that she has? I appreciated that they showed us the clock and, you know, that might be the clue, the clock that she drew. I wonder if just seeing something like that, if we were able to like image search that or something, if it would be like, this is indicative of this type of diagnosis or something. Um, Mm -hmm. I would be. Because there's there's forgetting what a clock looks like. Well, there's, well, no, there's no, no, not no. even forgetting no, 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 what a clock there's forgetting, looks like. There's forgetting like time, what time you were supposed to be somewhere or something like that. But yeah, you're right. Forgetting what a... And, and you're looking at it while you're drawing it and you don't even realize you're drawing it incorrectly. Like that's like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, mm. that, that we might not be looking at something that people commonly suffer from. I appreciated the way that they did... Not too over the top, but like when they did show us her answering the question, she seemed to be doing very well. And then when they showed at lunch, when she was able to give that detailed recollection of Randall as a baby and expressing everything, I I felt like that was so well done in leading us to believe this is just natural getting older. Surely she can't have something big, right? Because... She just she just expressed this super awesome story and she remembered every detail, you know? I'm a little scared of that test. Um Ooh, if I, I might start asking you to draw clocks and be like, mm, that's how well, you think spacing goes. Well, I can tell you, like, uh, that last time that I did go to the hospital, they gave me like the field version of that test where they just ask you some stuff. Yeah, like, like who's the president? What day? No, is no, it? no. It it's oh, it, it was the I'm gonna tell you some phrases. I want you to repeat them back to me. I'm going to tell you some numbers. I want you to repeat them back to me. Um, I want you to spell this word backwards, that kind of stuff. That was when my blood pressure was astronomically high that time. And I did not do very well in those. And ever since that test, I've been, I've been just like, could I pass that test now? Do I remember things now? So yeah, I'm a little wigged out. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's fair. That's why you're supposed to be doing your Sudoku's and and all. I do your, crosswords. I know that's that's supposed to be a very uh, that my my grandma um on my mom's side she she did crosswords every day. That was supposed to be like a big old thing. Actually, not crosswords. She did word finds. That's a little bit different. What did you think about the scene where they had Rebecca sitting in the mirror? An important scene. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, they use this 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 neat dissolve technique to cut in between scenes. She is remembering the kind of the climax of her going and getting Jack out of his pity party and bringing him back into reality. I think we're supposed to think that she is recalling it right then. She's looking at herself, reflecting literally and and metaphorically on this diagnosis, remembering maybe one of her happiest memories ever and probably wondering am I going to be able to remember this again? That's that's the hardest part, is I think that when you know now, and now here's the here's the super sad thing, and they had this episode of um, The Good Doctor where they had a patient who had memory issues. I don't know if he had even been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or not, but, um, but they diagnosed him with cancer. And like every 20 minutes, the mom, the mom, the wife would have to say to him, 
you have cancer. And he, and every time he took it, like it was the first time he ever heard it. He would say the same things. He's like, we have to call the kids. We need to get papers in order. You know, what's the course of treatment? And then she would tell him and everything would be okay. And you go back to watching TV. And then he'd be like, oh my gosh, Maureen, did the test come back? And she's like, you have cancer. And he's like, no, we have to call the kids. And it was like, oh my God. To the point where the family decides they're not going to treat the cancer because this memory thing is going to make it where like he could be halfway through a chemo session and be like, why is this in my arm? What's happening? And you'd have to say, you have cancer. Oh no. And he'd start crying again. And it was like, that's just cruel. And like the family actually decides one of the times when he asks and they say, what's the test? They say, you're completely fine. And he's like, awesome. And they're like, you can go home. And he's like, yay. And that's it. And they just let him go home and they don't treat it. And I was like, whoa. That was a series of things that just happened that like, I'm sure happened in many homes. I guess I want to say they did the compassionate thing by saying there was there was no good way to be able to treat his cancer and and not have him so mentally tortured by what was happening. Mm -hmm. That part is really amazing. The interesting thing about it is that she won't know she lost the memory. Is that guess what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I mean, you can really follow the heartbreak of these kinds of disorders. And it is just um, every every corner reveals another thing that it's not that you lose it once or twice. It's a, that that you like you just said, forget that you forget. it's like squared, you know? Yeah. Well, you don't you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I don't know if that's a blessing that you don't realize how much you don't know anymore. I mean. I, I'm sure the confusion of, of it all is 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 awful, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't know you lost your most favorite memory. You just don't yeah. remember your favorite memory anymore. So this is her looking in the mirror. Yeah, realizing. About it yeah, and... it was sad. You, 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 I felt like you felt touched in that moment, no? Um, well, I think I've said it on the podcast before and I've told you that of, of all of the ways that human beings grow old and eventually die, um, Having my memory go is the the scariest possible way for me to think about going out, you know, just existing free of the things that I've, I've, I've learned and, 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 and experienced um, uh, terrifies me. I know. I'll, I, I would love to think that I would be the person who would be strong enough to not treat the cancer in order to uh, to to allow you to not have that suffering but god what a choice to make because because you know you're i'm basically like signing your your death warrant you know like this is like, yes and that's like oh my god you know like did this just happen but at the same time it's like it's so degenerative that you know I can remember with my grandpa, the one thing that they said at MD Anderson to him was that all we can promise you is that we can make it that cancer isn't the thing that gets you. Like we can't make you not die, but we can make it not be cancer. And that was like that stuck with me um, because he didn't die of cancer. Uh, he died of a lot of other things. And it was like, whoa. And that was kind of like it was kind of interesting that it was like really the, the his the reason why he was going to die of cancer in that situation in in this in this the good doctor story. But he really was going to die of the memory loss of that disease because that disease made it where you couldn't treat the cancer and still ethically care for the man, you know, mm -hmm. for his mind. So um, just intriguing. I know that's like a wicked side jaunt. But let's talk about Randall because this last scene, wow, blew me out of the water, blew me out of the water. And I appreciated how they set it up. Oh, do you mean with Sterling K. Brown saying that the that the last part of the season is going to be like unbelievable unbelievable for randall no but yes him coming in they zoom in on rebecca and jack's picture on the stairs he goes upstairs he checks in on each girl as the viewer we know tess is safe in her bed annie's safe in her bed deja's safe in her bed beth is safe in her bed right? Yeah. We know this. Okay. The second he said, I'm going to go get a drink of water and I'll be right back. I'm coming to bed. I looked at you and I said, Oh no, he's not. The, oh no, he's not. As soon as they show something mundane on TV 
as like the featured telegraphed thing that that we all know is coming. That is not what's going to happen. Did you know, like, did you think he was going to, here's what I thought was going to happen. I thought he was going to come downstairs because we had just had that conversation about the spatula and the way they did the camera where the spatula, like the cooking utensils were kind of blurry as he was coming down the stairs, but they were like in the foreground. I thought he was going to come over and see the spatula and have some sort of like crying where he's like, oh, my God, I'm losing my mom. You know, that's what I thought was going to happen. And I, w- and I was pretty ready for that. So when he comes down those stairs and he sees that other man in the living room. Holy shit. I did not see that coming at all. You got me. This is us. You got me. That was a twist I was not prepared for, which is ridiculous because how much have we talked about safety concerns Randall has had about living in the city? Yeah. Yeah. And how much has it been talked about that? Like being the councilman and all this stuff, he was like very much putting like a spotlight on his family. Now, maybe this is going to turn out to be a random intruder. Maybe not. But, oh, what did you think? How like freaked out were you? Super freaked out. I looked we at rewound his... it because I was like, is it somebody we know? Yeah, we look like, at his face and we look at like, his hands. I was like, is hand. it anyone that Malik knows? Is it anyone Malik's friends? Is it, is it, is it Shauna? Is it like, who could it possibly be that's like standing uh, over there? Looks like a white guy. Oh, it's definitely a white guy. But I didn't, when it first happened, I wasn't even, I, I was so not prepared to see that. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. We're watching The Outsider. So the idea of having someone stand there in a hoodie with like their face kind of covered. I was like, the fuck? My shows are intertwining. I don't know what's happening right now. I, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't even know what I was looking at. And so when I'm, it sounds like I'm being foolish to say, was it any of these other characters? But I had no idea. I had no idea where we were going with this. And the dude was holding something. It, something. To me, on my just mere HD TV, it looked like a screwdriver. Something that he would have used to break in but it has also been a knife. I don't think it was a gun. I could only tell he was holding something. And you said you thought maybe screwdriver or flashlight is what you thought. Yeah. It seemed something heavy. I just don't know what's... I mean, wow. What? Uh, now, you mentioned that you thought that this episode would have been a better mid-season cliffhanger than what we got. Yeah. Well, I mean, because there's so many things that, that happen in this. We have Kevin with the... Where's this going with this woman? Is that going to happen or is it Sophie? And then there's the, they, if you omit the, the Christmas light scene with Kate and Toby, there's sort of like, is Toby going to come back to planet Earth or what? And then with Randall, there's like, is Randall about to get killed or what? Not killed, because obviously we've seen him in the future flashback thing, but you know what I mean. Do you think something insane could happen? Do you think he's going to lose one of the girls? Do you think, like, how bad could this be? How far will this as us go? That's my big question. I, how how far are they willing to push the envelope? Now, we know very well that psh, Annie doesn't even have any storylines. If they killed her and have him have to deal with the fact that he moved the family to Philadelphia and all this shit happened, what would spiral you out? better than that you know i mean the kiddo doesn't even have a story of any sort i don't i don't think they i don't think they have to go as far as killing anybody i think he can get hurt and i think it can freak him out and i think it can change him as a result you know that he becomes even more i hate the term anal but you know that that that, well like paranoid and, and obsessive right he i think he can I think there's a lot of unexplored territory there after your house gets broken into, you know? I can't imagine. It would be one thing if he came in and he saw some broken glass and maybe he saw that, that maybe he like scared someone away, you know, like maybe him coming in the front door, someone ran out the back door, something like that, you know, and he stopped it. But the fact that we, we have two men staring right at each other, staring right at each other, like we don't get to get out of this without something major happening i think i will be this is gonna sound ridiculous but i'm i will be disappointed if they just have the intruder turn and run like i will be like really that's all that's it like what really like not that i want to see randall get hurt but i want i want these stories to happen and like so let me back up a little bit we actually my dad knows a couple who they got married because on their very first date 
they were walking and he was walking her to the door and a guy came up behind them and like knocked them over their head and like drug him in the house. Both of them. This was their first date. And they had to lay on the floor while he like pilfered the house and their pockets and their wallets and their everything. And basically they looked at each other when it was all over and said, if we can make it through that together, like getting married is nothing. And so they just got married. And it, that's like so crazy. But the idea that like um, they have to have something really, really happen, I guess is what I'm saying. The guy didn't just knock him down and run away. I don't think you get married for that. You know, <laughs> like something has to, I want something to happen, to really happen, to, to anchor us in Randall's spiral. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Well, we'll see next week. Yes, we will. This was a this was a big one, you guys. I hope that you enjoyed our coverage of it. And we're very excited to be a part of a new venture called Pod Clubhouse, where we are going to be mixing and matching voices on these podcasts. So you might hear my brother, you might hear a neighbor, you might hear friends, you might hear fellow podcasters, but we invite you to come and listen because we are hopeful that having lots of collaboration is going to bring you guys even better coverage. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks a lot. Join us on our new venture called Pod Clubhouse. Come on over and listen to more podcasts from a variety of collaborating podcasters. Thanks for listening, pod people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks. <laughs>